It is my honor today to introduce my friend and mentor, Laura Flett. Laura is a retired public school teacher. She currently teaches at LSUS and Renzi Education and Art Center. She also facilitates a weekly writing group and a monthly fiction book club at Broadmoor Library. Laura is the author of Writing Toward the Light and has led numerous writing workshops in the Northwest Louisiana area. She is, however, perhaps best known for being Buddy Flett's big sister. Please join me in welcoming Laura Flett. I knew she was going to do something. I just didn't know what. Um, I'm going to do something a little bit different today than what I have done in the past. Um, I'm not going to just be speaking. Uh, I'm going to read. And so I apologize now. If you don't listen to 10 minutes of reading, you, you're free to go. That's okay. Um, but... As a writer now, I find that my words come better if I can put them on the page first. I live on a quiet street. The cars passing through either live there or are lost. But we've had a lot of roofers in the neighborhood lately, and their trucks. I saw the white Chevy monster truck that was parked across the street from my driveway. It had been there all day. But for some reason, going only two miles an hour, I plowed right into it. Then I couldn't figure out what to do next. When I looked down at my gears, there was no F for forward. Breathe, Laura. D. D. That's right. D for drive. I pulled into the driveway and got out to survey the mess. I tell you this because to me the most interesting thing through this experience was that I watched the whole scenario without anxiety. There was no panic, except for those few seconds when I completely forgot how to drive. I was just watching. I did have the passing thought that my insurance might get canceled, but later attributed that to too many Liberty Mutual commercials. The owner of the monster truck and I stood there on the sidewalk making small talk, waiting for the police to arrive. He tells me his truck has been hit three times in three years. Lucky me. At that moment, I did have an observation about the size of his truck and the width of our street. Merely an observation, mind you, no judgment, and I kept it to myself. Then a 12-year-old, dressed like a policeman, pulled up to write the report. My first thought was, did I teach him? Who is this person who carries on these observations and conversations in her head and then remembers to keep a lid on them rather than dropping into an attitude of shame or blame? It's become a human interest story to me, and I feel detached. Seventeen years ago, as I watched young children discovering the magic of the world around them, I began writing anecdotes from the classroom, the thing teachers always say they mean to do. But I didn't write until my 29th year of teaching. It was my little nature class at Stoner Hill Elementary. The more I wrote, the more I wanted to write. I was discovering, through the children and writing, the magic of the world around me. I wrote before school, during my planning time, at lunch, and as soon as the children left. 
Because I couldn't keep up with all the stimulation, I decided it was time to retire and pursue this writing thing. That first summer, I attended a Natalie Goldberg workshop in Taos, New Mexico, and learned her practice of timed writings. She begins by giving us a topic, something simple, a phrase that rolls around in your head, an object, a song title. Then she sets a timer for 10 minutes and says, put your pen to paper. And when the timer begins, keep your hand moving. Don't cross out. Don't worry about spelling, punctuation, or grammar. Lose control. Don't think. Don't get logical. Go for the jugular because that's where the energy is. Two things I like to add when I share this method with others are don't hold your pen too tight because your hand will hurt. And if you get stuck, just write the topic over and over until something kicks in because it will. I came home from the week-long workshop to continue this practice and put together stories from my classroom with the hope of getting published. Well, there's more to published writing than timed writings and sweet little classroom stories. I have enough rejection slips to prove that. There was more I needed to learn. I just didn't know what it was. Then my only child died, took his own life. I was afraid of everything and everybody. I was no longer a teacher or a mother, and the rejections told me I was nowhere near being a writer. I was not sure I still existed. Driving to the neighborhood grocery store made me anxious. I got dizzy standing in the checkout line waiting to pay for a few necessary items. All I knew how to do was write, so I would hurry home pick up my pen, and write about what I had just experienced. There were no timed writings or specific topics, Natalie style, just ramblings about what was going on around me and within. Is this what I had been practicing for? If I skipped a day or was away from the journal longer than usual, I began to panic. Writing practice was anchoring me, grounding me. I could see words on a page that came from the pen I was holding. I must still be here. I got stronger, ventured further. The journal was talking me back into the world. It was then that I decided I wanted to turn this grief journaling into a book entitled Writing Toward the Light, which I realized later set an intention of doing just that. As I wrote toward this light, I offered community workshops to share Natalie's timed writings. <clears throat> a workshop between Thanksgiving and Christmas at the Broadmoor Library entitled Writing Through the Holidays, a continuing <clears throat> ed course at LSUS, a six-weeks writing group here that became the beginnings of a weekly writing group I still facilitate. I needed these groups. I wanted people to write with me. I did this for myself, and if anyone else benefited, so much the better. A couple... A couple years later, I went back into the world of teaching part-time, teaching teachers at LSU. And because now I had a schedule involving others, I needed to adjust my, my daily writing routine. Writing morning pages from Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, became my new practice. Now when I wake up, I get a cup of coffee, 
crawl back into bed, and write three pages nonstop in my journal. The outside world in the form of television news or Facebook updates are not allowed in. Instead, my pen jots down pieces of the night's dreams in as much detail as I can remember, an unfinished business from the day before. I make a list of things I need to tend to, along with commentary, and a strategy for getting it all done. There are days I don't write. I get up late or I need to be somewhere earlier than usual. It happens. But if it goes on for several days, I note that anxiety. This new writing routine is my grounding now, and it sets the foundation for my day. I introduced timed writings to my beginning teachers. They're required to keep a reflection journal, but I thought by spending a little more time and burning past first thoughts with the 10-minute practice, the teachers might write what's really on their minds and not what they think they should write to please me. I also write reflections about working with them. I become the student watching how my own mind works. I am moving beyond what I thought I should be learning in first thoughts and discovering what's really on my mind. I enjoy watching people. This is going to make you nervous now. I enjoy watching people, watching my reaction to people, and watching my thoughts about my reactions. But now, after this daily practice, when the reaction is unpleasant, I note it differently. There's a familiar Bible verse from Matthew 7, 3. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? That log thing has always bothered me. How does one not know something that big is in their eye? But could this be similar to the quote from Carl Jung? Everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. Does this now become my invitation to see how that behavior manifests in me? Am I a human being with human behaviors watching my thoughts about my reactions? I haven't studied a lot on the subject of psychology beyond what I've learned from education courses, but I'm learning a lot about how I think and behave from these years of writing. I've accumulated a lot of experiences, images, and conversations in my nearly 66 years, and many of them don't have the same meaning they once had. A grade school slight when I'm the last one chosen for kickball, something demeaning my mother says in haste to me, a slight disappointment for a shy teenager, or a witnessing of gossip that shakes me personally. These emotional triggers come up and can be projected on another person. But by journaling the reaction, I can address it for what it might have been, stay present to the people I'm around, and not get lost in the history of my memory. My daily practice adapts as my curiosity leads me to new thoughts and strengths. Words fascinate me. Different interpretations and misunderstandings that arise from words interest me. The daily practice of writing allows me to look at words and consider the many facets of their meanings. For now, I still write morning pages when I first get up. I'm currently participating in a daily continuous practice I have with friends on Facebook in my weekly writing group. This is my grounding. And I'm slowly putting together another book entitled Being and Belonging. 
setting the intention to watch how this idea works through a practice of writing of the world around me and within. Thank you.